This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Hello and welcome back to the E-Commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters from Bobsled Marketing. And today I'm joined by Maya Crothers, who is the founder and CEO of Circcell Skincare. Her previous professional experience includes working in energy generation and strategy consulting with Bain & Company. She and her husband are personally interested in the work of the Aspen Institute, the work that the Aspen Institute is doing in the area of criminal justice reform and through her company, Circcell. Maya has worked with the Nest Foundation to fight the human trafficking of children in the U.S. A recent transplant to Aspen from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, she enjoys all the mountains have to offer with her husband and two teenage children. Thanks for joining us, Maya. Hi, thank you so much. Excited to be here. Yeah. So we, we were actually first introduced two years ago when I wrote a post for Forbes titled, Amazon explodes beauty sales with exclusive gating for brands. And since then, Circcell has actually become a client of Bobsled, which I'm really thrilled about. So firstly, welcome. Welcome to Bobsled. Yeah, thank you. And it just kind of reminds you what a small world, well, the entire world is, but particularly in this beauty space. You know, it's like you you meet someone in, in one capacity one day and then you run into them a little bit later in another capacity. So it's just, it's fun. It's fun that we've somehow found each other again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And in that article from two years ago, you said that you resisted selling on Amazon initially. So could you tell me about what made you reluctant and what ultimately changed your mind? Yeah. Yeah. And for those of us who, you know, been in the beauty business for more than three or four years, right? So anyone new might not remember this or know of this, but there was a time when being on Amazon kind of was like, particularly for a prestige brand or a luxury brand, you kind of didn't want to be on Amazon, right? Like it wasn't right for the image. It wasn't considered the right retailer. And not only that, my retailer, so at the time we were primarily in spas and we were, you know, just beginning a relationship with Neiman Marcus, they didn't want you to be on Amazon. They wanted you to be a little bit more exclusive. If you were on Amazon, it was too easy to get your products. They wanted you to have to come back to the spa or come back to the store to get it. So it just was not something that you kind of did. Of course, that was changing very quickly. And so when Amazon, so I never really even considered Amazon as a channel. Amazon reached out to us as they were launching this professional beauty platform And when they originally reached out to us, I just said no. But then they reached out again and said, well, you know, let us explain why this could work for you because this is a new platform. It's, you know, it might be really interesting to brands like yours. And they said, we'll make sure that nobody else is selling your product. So bing, like a light went off in my head because that was something. And we were tiny at the time. But even so, even though you're tiny, there's still somebody out there selling your product in some weird way. You don't know why or how. I would assume that it was mostly, so in this business, 
you give away as you know almost as much product as you sell, or at least it feels that way sometimes, right? Because a lot of it is about PR and influencers and people trying your products and free samples to retailers. So you're always just giving away lots of product. And I think for us, we didn't have anyone counterfeiting our products because we're too small. It didn't, that wouldn't have made sense. But I think a lot of these PR samples were ending up on these weird places, right? And Amazon was one of those weird places. And it just drove me crazy because sometimes, you know, sometimes like I would look at the picture and I knew it was old product or old packaging or, Mm. but of course you're so small, you don't have the resources to go after these people. So when they said that, I thought, oh, easy, sure. (laughs) So we frankly put almost zero effort into getting our listings up. It was literally just a photo and the name, because again, I wasn't expecting to sell very much. It wasn't a channel I was focusing on. And Amazon completely shut down all the other 20 or 30, and I'm not kidding, it was that many weirdos, you know? (laughs) Because like sometimes it was like a video game seller who had like one unit of my oil. It was just bizarre. And they just shut it down and that was amazing. But at the same time, that act of going on Amazon with this gated professional beauty platform opened up an entire other can of worms for us and kind of led me into this, you know, what turned out to be a almost a two-year journey to where we are with Amazon right now. Mm, wow. And I'm happy to share, you know, kind of what those lessons are, if you think your absolutely. listeners would be interested. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the professional beauty platform is a great platform. It's on the vendor central platform. So Amazon, and I didn't, I was, you know, such an Amazon amateur at the time. I didn't even realize Amazon has two platforms. They have a vendor central platform where you have a traditional wholesaler relationship with Amazon and they purchase the product from you and then they sell it and they fulfill it. There's also, of course, a seller central platform, which is a marketplace where you list your products. You're really controlling the advertising and the sales, which which you can do advertising on vendor central as well. So this is a bit of an oversimplification, but you own those listings and when the orders come in, you can fulfill those orders yourself, or you can use Amazon's fulfillment program to do that. So the professional beauty platform was through Vendor Central. And that's where we began. And it was a great place to be. And even though I put very little effort into our listings and into selling, our business grew. And every month, our business grew a little more to where it became impossible for me to deny this channel that at the time I thought of just as an afterthought. So I thought, oh, well, this could be a real business for us. And so everything was great for about the first year until Amazon started messing with my MSRP. So I was protected from any other resellers out there doing weird things with my product or with my pricing. But then Amazon started doing that to me and they would change the pricing. They would lower the pricing and I had no idea why. And I frankly couldn't get much of a response from Amazon around why they were doing that. And the reason for that is probably because we were too small for the vendor central platform. And I should have realized that at the time, but I didn't. I had no idea what I was doing. I just stumbled into this Amazon ecosystem without any knowledge or experience or without talking to anyone. So, you know, probably the biggest lesson learned is this is a great channel, 
but don't just think you can do this on your own, right? Like we, you know, we eventually found bobsled Amazon consultants and they took over the business for us and they're really smart and they transformed our business on Amazon. And that's what I should have done from the beginning because you can't just stumble into something like this on your own if you're a serious brand. And because we were so small, I really couldn't get a lot of attention from Amazon around why this was happening, why to, how to fix it. And it caused a lot of trouble for me because my other retailers and spas were mad because people could get our product at a lower price. So we ultimately had to migrate from Vendor Central to Seller Central, where we had more control, which made more sense for a brand like us. But that took a very long time and was expensive and was quite a nail biter for me because for quite a long time, we had lots of problems with our our spas and our our retailers and we lost we lost customers because of it. Mm. We've managed some of those migrations before from Vendor Central to Seller Central and there's a there's a lot to unwind there because of the inventory selling through and and also if if you're wanting to get onto Seller Central because Amazon is eroding your pricing and there's no way around that then that's going to, if, if they have a large quantity of inventory, that's going to take a while to sell through and resolve that. So it's, it, it is very painful <laughs> making that migration. I don't envy you there. Yeah. And even when we sold through that inventory, it was difficult. We couldn't get our listings up on Seller Central. And it's all because of it's this great, you know, giant algorithm and there are, a lot of it is automated and there are all these rules. So I couldn't sell my own products on Seller Central for a long time which you know which is very interesting so again it's just a very complicated ecosystem that if you don't know what you're doing tread very carefully and you know get someone that knows what they're doing to help you with amazon from day one so you mentioned that professional beauty is a vendor central program and that it sounds like that was an overwhelming success for you which which is really great what's been the situation since your migration to to sell a central with resellers so the resellers are back but we do a pretty good job of controlling that. Sometimes we're able to shut the resellers down. A lot of times we're not because Amazon wants a very competitive marketplace. That's their philosophy. And I understand that. So, you know, they just don't shut down sellers. For us, the best way to manage it, and they're out there and there's just, you know, in, in some cases, there's not much you can do about it. For us, the way that we really manage it is on the front end. We're very careful about who we wholesale to. So some people approach us wanting to open a wholesale account and we turn them down because we'll research them and we can't really find, they don't have a brick and mortar. They don't have a serious .com presence. So that probably means they're diverting your product. Mm. So they're going to take it and sell it through a platform like eBay or Amazon, and they're going to resell you in a way that you're not going to be happy with. So we try to do a really good job on the front end of who we take on as wholesale partners, partners, and that helps us. But at the end of the day, you're going to have resellers. It's just unauthorized resellers. It's just impossible to get them all. We're still small enough that nobody's really coming after us in a big way. You know, if you're SkinCeuticals or L'Oreal, I don't know how you manage it because there are people out there just, they're, they're actually counterfeiting your products and selling them. We're still small enough that we're not worth that kind of effort yet. So I, I guess that's a good thing. 
Yeah, the action that you're taking on the front end, that's that's a huge point that I think a, a lot of brands need to hear is that once you've got some inventory that's gray market or fallen off the back of a truck or even you know acquired completely legitimately through a wholesale agreement but is ultimately eroding your position in the market it's too late and so what you what you're doing to actually prevent that from happening in the beginning is is a good one i've also seen some brands work it into their wholesale contracts or reseller contracts and have specific clauses to say you agree to not sell our products on Amazon, Walmart, you know, wherever wherever you're selling. And so then it's a part of the legal agreement that you have with a distributor and that will allow you to go back if you discover that they have been selling on Amazon. You can say, look, this was in the agreement and and take it from there. So the prevention is better than a cure with resellers. Right, right. And we do that too. We work that language into the contract. The problem is, is once you catch them, it's still very, very difficult to shut them down. It's a problem. So again, I think it's really important up front to know who your partners are and make sure you're not distributing partners product to the wrong types of organizations. We also are very careful with if we change our packaging or if for some reason they're you know, product, you know, that we don't, you know, we don't want to sell because maybe there's a scratch on the box or some other quality defect. That's not a danger, right? It just doesn't look the right way. We'll, you know, give that away to shelters or, you know, we find ways to use that product so that it doesn't get into the wrong hands. As a last resort, we hate just just destroying it just from a, just from a social responsibility (laughs) point of view, you know, you hate to just throw stuff away. So, so we try to find a way to use it, but we're very careful, like, you know, even letting your 3PL just throw it away. You know, sometimes it doesn't get thrown away. It ends up in the back of somebody's truck. Yep. So we try to be very careful throughout the entire life cycle of product to make sure that it doesn't get into the wrong hands. Yep. Do you think that the problem with resellers is getting better or worse over time? You know, it's, it's really hard for me to know from a kind of global industry perspective. I know for us, it gets worse as we get bigger, especially as, you know, we're in the luxury category because those are big dollars, right? So when a 30 ml bottle of oil sells for $165, that's, you know, that's pretty good money to sell one product. So even if you're selling it for half as much, right? Because you're trying to steal that sale. So yeah, for us, we have to worry about it more and more as we get bigger. And we have to worry about it a lot more as we're signing contracts with international distributors. Because in some, you know, you never really know where that product is going to end up sometime. So but globally, I'm not sure what's happening. I do think, you know, China was traditionally one of the biggest counterfeiters. I do think that they are trying to do a lot to make it hard for yes. counterfeiters to thrive. And, and we see that as we enter that market, like the hoops that we have to jump through just to prove that we are who we say we are and we are who we say we are. <laughs> and so I think maybe the world is clamping down on it, but from our perspective, it's getting harder because we're getting bigger. Mm. Yeah. No, no one tells you that 
when you say that you want to grow your company. <laughs> yeah. But these kind of problems right. are going to be. Yeah, it's a couple of things there. One is that both in the eyes of the law and with Amazon, there's nothing wrong with reselling or retailing products that you've acquired legitimately, but there is illegal and and certainly Amazon cares very deeply about it as well around counterfeiting. Ultimately, that erodes customer trust in their platform and it's, it's a huge issue. And I don't doubt that they're doing everything that they can around counterfeiting because the blowback from consumers when they receive something that is faulty, in some cases just downright dangerous, misleading, et cetera, that is something they want to avoid at all costs. But those two issues often get sort of merged for a brand in that some of these resellers may be selling counterfeits. And then also if you are a a seller on Amazon, you get caught up sometimes in this workflow when trying to initiate selling on Amazon or adding new products where they, like you said, they doubt that you're actually the legitimate supplier. And so one problem, they're supposed to be separate issues that are handled differently, but they often get bundled together in in a challenging way. Yep. We had a little bit of an issue there on the Seller Central platform as well, where we had to prove we were the manufacturer and we kind of gave them everything they asked for, but for some products, they still gated us because they they thought that we were we were an unauthorized reseller. It's really frustrating as the brand founder <laughs> to be told that you're not authorized to sell this product. Yeah. So yeah, they are do I do believe all everyone out there is trying to do what they can to stop unauthorized sales. In addition to to resellers, what other things should brands think about in terms of protecting their brand equity on Amazon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, definitely the unauthorized resellers, right? I think it's really important to have just killer listings. And again, in the beginning, we did it. Like to me, it was just an afterthought. But, you know, having kind of a weak listing is kind of like having your products on a shelf and, you know, and they're dusty and unorganized. So I think just that's your face to, you know, hundreds of your, your brand face to hundreds of millions of people. So, your listing has to look really good and reviews are so important. You know, I've read some studies that claim that for a good percentage of beauty buyers, they start their beauty journey on Amazon, not necessarily because they want to purchase there or not even because they're ready to purchase, but they know Amazon has lots of reviews and that's somewhere that they can go to learn about a product through the reviews. So even if you don't, consider Amazon to be an important channel strategically, it's really important to have good listings and good reviews because people are going to look for you there. And kind of another area that I never thought about until we started working with Bobsled really was cannibalization. What you don't realize is that on an ecosystem like Amazon, it's similar to Google. If someone is looking for your product, if they're searching for your brand on Amazon, other brands can buy your brand name as a keyword or your product name. They can pay for that keyword. It's a little more complicated than that, but so that if someone is looking for Cell Geothermal Clay Cleanser, another brand that has a similar cleanser can buy that keyword. So if you're not actively trying to buy that keyword, someone else is going to. So your your brand is going to get cannibalized. So to me, that kind of hurts your brand equity because yeah. 
people searching for you are getting migrated. Those are the three areas that I think about outside of unauthorized resellers when it comes to brand equity. Those are great. So have killer listings, product reviews, focus on those, and then conquesting with protecting your key search terms from competitors who are looking to conquest with paid advertising. Good. Yeah. Great list there. So just wrapping up here, Maya, what are you excited about in the world of e-commerce right now? TikTok. TikTok. Tell us about that. That's huge for beauty, isn't it? So we are seeing results on TikTok that we have not seen anywhere. And I think it's because it's still early enough in that platform's life and it's just not saturated yet. But what you can pay in terms of CPMs, the type of engagement you get, the type of reach you get, people's response to good content, to good influencer content is just blowing us away to the point where sometimes I wake up and I think, why am I doing anything other than TikTok? Which of course you have to do everything, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. And it's really early for us. And we kind of stumbled into it sort of accidentally because someone posted something about us that we didn't even know about. And we literally sold out of that SKU. That's amazing. I'm so intrigued by that. And, and can you correlate any sort of, have you been able to yet to correlate any TikTok campaigns back to Amazon sales or is it less not Absolutely. Yeah. So, Great. so here's what we found. Great question. So the person who posted this video is a small local retailer. And so she, you know, we could look at historically what she had been purchasing. So we could tell what the results were of that little campaign because her sales just shot up dramatically. Right. And so here's what we found as the result of this great piece of content. So She knocked it out of the park in terms of sales. Our website knocked it out of the park even more, right? So we got even more of a bump than she did. But the biggest bump came through Amazon sales. So people watched this little TikTok video. Some people went to her. More people came to CirceSell.com. Most of the people went directly to Amazon. So what that tells me is people want to buy on Amazon. And she even offered a coupon to go to her site. Wow. The majority of people gave up the coupon to either go to the manufacturer's site or go directly to Amazon. That is so interesting. And wow, that's a a great story. Thank you for sharing that. It's it's something that I'm still learning about. So this this is super interesting. Yeah. Yep. Great lesson for us. Yeah. What have you changed your mind about recently? So, you know, it's an interesting question. Seller fulfilled. So we've always used Amazon's fulfillment program because we get to participate in, in Prime. And frankly, they make it easy. Like they have a really, really good program for, you know, for reasons that are, you know, kind of complicated. For a short while, for one of our SKUs, we had to switch to seller fulfilled. And I thought, man, this is going to slow down my sales. People want, you know, they want that Amazon Prime badge. And what I found was it didn't really slow down my sales as far as I could tell. And it gave me the opportunity to market to that customer, right? Like I could put in, you know, like additional information about that product that they purchased, right? Or maybe just a little marketing card about the brand. And there are ways to do that through FBA as well. 
but through seller fulfilled, we could change it on the fly, right? Yeah. Like, uh, well, no, like today, let's put, let's change the messaging to this, or let's add this in there, or let's, you know, throw in a free sample of something. So, you know, so we haven't, you know, we still primarily are going to use FBA, but it just, it kind of definitely opened my eyes to the flexibility that comes with seller fulfilled. And we didn't find that it significantly impacted our, our sales through Amazon. Wow, that's really interesting. We often see a, a pretty significant drop with when a product isn't prime eligible anymore. And I wonder if that's a recent behavioral shift with customers because last year in, in 2020, a lot of items weren't available with prime for various reasons with Amazon, issues with Amazon's network. So I wonder if people have sort of reconditioned, have been reconditioned a little bit to accept items that are not prime eligible? Well, I think so. We were, we're probably a special case because again, we don't have a lot of other resellers on Amazon. So for this particular product, there wasn't anyone else on Amazon selling it. So we, we had a bit of a captive audience. Yeah. And I do think that things have changed a little bit under COVID because I know I'm a huge Amazon customer. Everyone in my family is. So every day, like most people in America, I'm getting two or three packages from Amazon. And I think under COVID, what's what's happened with shipping and back orders, you know, a lot of times I don't get it in two days, even if it's prime. And I think maybe we've, you know, a lot of that is COVID related. And we've all kind of become a little bit accustomed to that. If it takes three or four days instead of two days, you don't go back to Amazon and complain. You just kind of get it. So that probably helped a little bit too, that people are a little bit used to shipments taking a little bit longer. But my guess is it's primarily because there wasn't another seller selling it under a price. Yeah. We would, of course, 100%, we would have lost all those sales Yeah, if there were other Yeah, other and I sellers. guess with a, with a replenishable product, if you've got someone who's really loyal to that product, that they're going to wait for it. <laughs> right. They're right. going to buy it. Yeah. And, you know, it's two more days if you think about it because we ship same day and yeah, Amazon will get it to you in two days. We'll get it to you, you know, in two days for a third of the country, three days for another third of the country. And then the rest of the country takes four to five days. Yep. So tell us about Circcel and what's unique about your skincare products. So we really marry performance, super high performance, almost to the level of clean biotech ingredients. So types of ingredients you would expect to get from a doctor's brand, a dermatologist brand. We combine them with a lot of tried and true naturals. So the formulations kind of look and feel like natural formulations because we use clays and botanicals and essential oils, but there's stuff in there that's, you know, that's kind of scientifically known to do great things for skin. And we deliver very, very clean formulations. So I don't think there's another skincare brand brand out there that delivers the breadth and depth of performance-based ingredients that we do as cleanly as we do. So there are lots, there are a lot of great performance-based products out there that are clean, but for a brand to have as many of those types of ingredients across as many products as we do, as cleanly as we do, is, is pretty unusual. And more recently, we've really started trying to up our sustainability game because typically when you're in the luxury space, luxury packaging is not clean. Mm-hmm. And what's been traditionally available, you know, the types of vessels that are available that are kind of eco-friendly just aren't that 
cool, you know, <laughs> so it's hard to sell an expensive product in them, you know, from a design perspective. But of course, the industry, the market is demanding that that change. So as it changes, we change, we up our game. So for example, this year, we've switched all of our cleanser and toner packaging to PCR source vessels. So PCR is the one of the newest buzzwords in eco-friendly packaging. It uses their vessels that come from recycled materials. So the world is woken up to the fact that we should recycle. Everyone's recycling. So now you have all this recycled raw material that nobody's using. Right. And so that's the big push is to get people to use this recycled material. So we're, we, we're using that for several of our SKUs. It's really expensive, but we're committed to being kind of on the cutting edge of clean not just in our formulations, but in our packaging. So as the industry changes, as the industry evolves, we evolve. And that's expensive too, because changing your packaging, changing anything is expensive and it takes a long time and it's complicated. But we're so committed to being on the forefront of clean and the forefront of environmentally friendly that we change, we're dynamic. So I think that's what really sets us apart is our level of commitment given the level of performance that we're delivering. I love that. Yeah, that that's a huge frustration of mine with with beauty product packaging is how much waste there is. It's so frustrating to me and great to see your leadership there. There was another podcast I did with the Mike Ferrone, the e-com manager at Full Circle Home. They've got a couple of brands and they recently made a switch to, with Amazon in particular, got to put everything in a poly bag and that's so yeah. wasteful. So they they located, I think, like a corn-based poly bags and things like that. And that's something that consumers really appreciate. Those are things that should go on your product page on Amazon as well is the packaging is sustainable. And that's a huge differentiator for a lot of people. Well, thank you. I'll talk to my team and let them know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it could be, not everyone's going to care about it, but more, like you said, more and more people really do. And besides that, it's a commitment that your company's made. Is there anything else you'd like to share with listeners of the show? Yes. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. <laughs> we put out a lot of great content and we love communicating with our consumers so we'd love to have you all as members of our community yeah i'll link up to all of those social handles in the show notes and to spell circcell it is c-i-r-c-c-e-l-l thank you so much for joining us maya really appreciate it thank you so much i've enjoyed being here appreciate you having this discussion with me